Today's episode is called Endless Mercies. We're going to be talking about the deep well of mercy that God draws from continually. Hey, it's Amber L.B. Swenson, wife, mother, worrier, overthinker, type A, holding on to God and his promises to get me through the day. Thanks for joining me to explore everyday issues from a biblical perspective so we can all know and love God more. And before we get, we begin, I just want to make a, a distinction between the words grace and mercy because a lot of times those are mixed up in our own minds. So first of all, grace is getting something that you don't deserve. So when you really don't deserve to get um, a gift from your spouse because you've not been very nice to live with lately, but your spouse goes and gives you a gift anyway, that's grace. Mercy, on the other hand, is not getting what you deserve. It's restraining from punishing somebody for what truly they deserve to get. So mercy is really choosing to withhold punishment from a child who clearly deserves punishment. Um, It is refraining from being super angry and spewing out your wrath on someone who has done something that deserves your wrath. So today when we talk about mercy, we're talking about that restraint that God um, shows over and over to us and to all believers, and that's available to anyone. I was reading Psalm 78, and it really... Um, struck me how merciful God has been. And I'm just going to read a few verses, starting at verse 34 from Psalm 78. Whenever God slew them, they would seek him. They eagerly turned to him again. They remembered that God was their rock, that God Most High was their Redeemer. But then they would flatter him with their mouths, lying to him with their tongues. Their hearts were not loyal to him. They were not faithful to his covenant. Yet he was merciful. He forgave their iniquities and did not destroy them. Time after time, he restrained his anger and did not stir up his full wrath. He remembered that they were but flesh, a passing breeze that does not return. That says a lot about God, because in this psalm, um, the Israelites uh, were on trial, so to speak, or they were on display, and it was noted that they often remembered God after he drew them back because of their the consequences of their actions, but then it didn't take long, and their hearts weren't loyal to him, and they, they for, forgot him again, and yet time after time... He drew from that well of mercy. He restrained himself, remembering that they were flesh, that they were sinful, and so did not give them what they deserved. We see the same mercy in the parable of the prodigal son, where we're told about the son who goes off. He takes his father's 
inheritance, the inheritance that should come after his father is dead. He takes it. He squanders it on prostitutes and wild living until it's gone. He completely uses it up. He's in a situation where he's feeding pigs and they, they're eating better than he is. And so to go back to his father, crawl back, just hope that he will be merciful to him and make him like one of the servants. And instead, the father meets him with grace. He gives him what he does not deserve. He gives the son a robe and a ring and a party. And he restrains from wrath and from anger and from coming down on that son with the full consequences of what his actions deserve. You know, our mercy is usually pretty finite. And I think maybe even more so now than usual. I think um, our society as a whole has a pretty short fuse. And mercy is in pretty short supply. Most of us get to a point that we say enough, no more, I'm not, I'm not putting up with this. Sorry isn't good enough. I don't want to hear about it. And this is some, some pretty low scale things. Things like, um, you know, you have a repairman coming over and they're supposed to be at your house between eight and noon and it's 1230 when they show up. And man, we can just lose it over that. Or the bill that's wrong for the third month, you've called and, you know, explain the first month what was wrong with that bill and that you didn't owe that amount, but this charge shouldn't be on there. Yes, they're very kind. They're going to take care of it. But then the second month, there it is again, that charge showed up again. So you call again and you explain that, you know, um, that's not, that charge wasn't uh, mine and I shouldn't be paying that. And when the third month Uh, The bill arrives and the same thing has happened. Most of us have lost all sense of restraint. We have no mercy left. Or, you know, the child who continues to do the same thing over and over and over again. They break their curfew. They um, procrastinate and they leave you in a lurch because all of a sudden it's the night before an assignment is due and they need you to take them to the store because they haven't planned ahead. They haven't thought about this. And so time after time, all of a sudden, you know, your mercy is in short supply. And that is so, so different than God and his way of being merciful to us. We'll be back with this episode in just a minute, but first I want to pass along something that might help your faith journey. If we don't learn anything from the hurt, if we don't walk away from a traumatic situation eventually refined and more resolute in our faith, then the pain was wasted. James told us to rejoice in our sufferings because we are developing perseverance that will bring us to more mature and complete faith. That's what I wrote about in a blog titled, Worth the Pain. You can find a link in today's episode notes or at timeofgrace.org by simply searching Worth the Pain. I've been talking about pain and referring you to blogs these last four weeks because next week's Easter message is about getting through the hurt. If you've been struggling with unresolved pain for any amount of time, I hope you'll listen next week. And I pray it's the beginning of healing. 
back to today's episode. Uh, It's thought that Jeremiah the prophet wrote the book of Lamentations. And this book of the Bible was written when Israel was, well, Judah really was destroyed and uh, by the Babylonians who took them into captivity. And so if you can just picture, you know, the first couple chapters of the book of Lamentations are describing the absolute devastation that's going on. And, you know, the people who were thought to be high and mighty, they're laying in the street dead and the buildings are ruined and um, life as they knew it is gone. It's over. People have been carried away and only a few people are left. And then all of a sudden in chapter three, Jeremiah says this, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The ESV version says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never fail. Isn't it strange that Jeremiah could write this in the middle of devastation, in the middle of absolute chaos and loss and destruction? The prophet comes out saying, You know, God's mercies are amazing. His compassion is new every morning. How can he say that in the middle of this devastation? Well, I think it's a matter of choosing to see God's mercy even in worst case scenarios. So even when God allows us to feel the consequences of our sin, very often, if we are aware of it, if we open our eyes to it, we can find that God is still there providing for us in amazing and miraculous ways. He's still there um, maintaining, um, holding us up, keeping us going, maybe not in the ways that we would hope, maybe not in the lavish ways that has been in the past, but he's still there. And that's what the prophet wants us to see. And I think that's really important for us, especially during times When life isn't exactly going the way that we hoped it would, when we experience so much loss or when so many things are taken away from us, it's good for us to just ask for God to help us to see his mercies in the middle of this. So those people who were carried away into the Babylonian captivity, the truth is their lives in Babylon were not terrible. They weren't like the slaves in Egypt who were, you know, doing this crazy amount of labor and were treated cruelly. Um, That's not the case. They were given the ability to have shops, to live their lives, to worship the Lord. And so, so much so that when King Cyrus told them later on that anyone who wants to go back to to Judah and, and rebuild, you're free to go, a lot of them chose not to go. They were content where they were at. They had, you know, built their lives there and and they were very okay with where they were at. So uh, even in the midst of this devastation, mercy was found. Abraham Lincoln said, I have always found that mercy bears richer fruits than strict justice. That can be true, right? When we show mercy, so when we restrain from 
the punishment that people deserve, whoever that is, whether it's the store clerk or um, the repairman or our children who haven't quite lived up to our expectations, um, a lot of times being merciful to people can actually have quite an impact on their lives. They can see that we have given them grace. (laughs) We have been kind to them when they didn't necessarily deserve it. And that can really impact them. Consider uh, you are having a really crazy morning and you finally get to your car, you're on your way to your commute, you have not even given one thought to what you're doing. You're just driving, still thinking about everything that went wrong in your house before you got out the door. And all of a sudden, you notice the lights of the policeman behind you. So you pull off to the side of the road and the police officer makes you aware that you were going 10 minutes over the speed limit, which you completely had no idea. You were, like I said, lost in what was going on before this. You weren't even looking at your speedometer. You were just going through the motions. And so the police officer comes up to your car and sees that you're looking a little frazzled. This morning, it's not the best day. He goes back, he runs your information through his um, computer and finds that you're not somebody who's speeding all the time. In fact, you have a really clean record. So he comes back and he shows mercy. He says, you know, I can tell that you're having a rough day. I just wanted to make you aware that you were going over the speed limit. So please pay attention. That mercy can have a tremendous impact on you. Your day was already going rotten. And now somebody has not given you the punishment that you deserve. That can change your day. You can start seeing that, you know, there are several silver linings that you can find reasons to still be joyful when everything's not going your way, that there are still reasons to thank God for today. It can change your whole day just by being merciful. Well, William Shakespeare said, nothing emboldens sin so much as mercy. So he takes the other side of it. Okay, if I got away with speeding this time, why not speed every morning? Because, you know, maybe I'll get out of it every single time. So where's the balance? Well, the balance might be in the heart of the person sinning. It might be in your heart or it might be in both people's heart. Jesus said in Matthew 18 that, you know, if your brother sins, you should go talk to that person explain the matter, and hopefully it can be settled right there and then. That would be the ideal situation. That's how Christian love is supposed to work. And then you wash your hands of the situation, you forgive, you go on with life. But if your brother doesn't listen to you, you take somebody else with you a little while later. And then you go to the church and you go and you speak to them. And and Jesus says, if they still are unwilling to leave their life of sin, then you wash your hands of the situation. Well, that sounds pretty cut and dry and doesn't sound like a lot of mercy. Interestingly enough, Jesus follows with the parable of the unmerciful servant. Peter said, okay, so should we forgive our brother seven times then? Would that be good enough? And Jesus told the parable of the servant who was brought in and demanded payment for all that he owed And the king forgave him this huge sum of money. And then that servant went out and found somebody who owed him just a tiny bit of money. 
and he demanded he pay it. And when he was unable to, he threw him in prison. And we are shown that parable to let us know that we have been forgiven much. God sees every single sin that we do, that we commit, and he is continually forgiving us. As we go back to him and say, I'm really sorry, Lord, I shouldn't have done that. He is so merciful to forgive us time and time again. And so he would like us to treat our brothers and sisters in Christ and people who don't even come and ask for our forgiveness the same way. We are to forgive them. And that just goes back to how merciful God is. And the fact that, you know, it's not our job to determine if someone deserves mercy. (laughs) I think that's where a lot of us fall astray a lot of times. We think, well, so-and-so doesn't deserve mercy. They need to experience the consequences of their sin. And, And that may be right. All throughout the Bible, we see that people do experience the consequences of their sin. And yet when they do turn in repentance, that's when we see God is so very, very merciful and all the time. So for instance, Manasseh. Manasseh was Hezekiah's son who um, was as evil as they came. So Hezekiah was this great king in Israel who did a beautiful job. He was a king in Judah, actually, the southern tribes. He did a beautiful job of leading the people back to the Lord, of turning their hearts to God, of trusting in God and walking with God. When he died, his son Manasseh took over, and he quickly went about undoing everything his father had so beautifully done. So he uh, put idols all throughout Israel, even in the temple area. He sacrificed his son in the fire to a god that wasn't a god. He, in fact, um, God says that he was worse than the Canaanites who were driven out of the land before the Israelites came. He was just as evil and horrid as they come. And so God said because of that, he was going to have the Assyrians come over and and take him away. He would not be allowed to remain king. And that's exactly what happened. The Assyrians came and they took Manasseh away. And in his imprisonment, Manasseh turned to the Lord. We read in 2 Chronicles 33, in his distress, he sought the favor of the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his ancestors. And when he prayed to him, the Lord was moved by his entreaty and listened to his plea. So he brought him back to Jerusalem and to his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord is God. And what did that mercy allow or or prompt Manasseh to do? So first of all, William Shakespeare says, you know, when you have mercy, it it emboldens sin. So God allowed Manasseh to experience the consequences of his actions. He had him taken away. And then God gave him mercy, acted with mercy when Manasseh turned to him. And this is the response that Manasseh had to God's mercy. 
He got rid of the foreign gods and removed the image from the temple of the Lord, as well as all the altars he had built on the temple hill and in Jerusalem. He threw them out of the city. Then he restored the altar of the Lord and sacrificed fellowship offerings and thank offerings on it and told Judah to serve the Lord, the God of Israel. He experienced God's mercy and in turn, he did the right thing and he turned to God. A lot of times we're going to need to pray for wisdom. So how do we know when to just be merciful and explain to the person that we're dealing with that we we want to give them grace upon grace? And when do we make the people around us experience the consequences of their actions? Again, that's going to take wisdom. It's going to take um, sometimes advice from friends. It's going to take prayer. And sometimes it's going to take doing the wrong thing. So when we don't show mercy and we see how the people around us are just um, really heavy, feeling heavy about us not showing mercy, it's a good idea to realize that God has been so merciful to us. We can be merciful to the people in our lives. And when we've been merciful over and over and again, and it's time for someone in our life to experience the consequences of the bad choices they continue to make, well, then we pray that our actions of allowing them to experience those consequences would result in them turning, just like Manasseh did, in them turning back to God so that then they can experience that abundant mercy that God is always willing to give. I want to close today with a quote from Walther, who, uh, from his book, God Granted. He uh, wrote this, God never thinks about the amount of mercy he has already shown or the length of time in which he has shown it to an individual. It is not as if each person has a certain amount of mercy allotted to him, and God subtracts a bit of that mercy each day until the account is emptied. Each day, God treats us as if we, he were extending his mercy to us for the first time. He seeks us and he shows himself to us as a God who earnestly desires our salvation. Millions of proofs of God's grace may already lie behind us, and until now they may have proven futile. But each morning, without fail, God lifts us up like a newborn baby to a mother's bosom and grants us his grace anew. I hope this encourages you to really understand God's great mercy and how every time we come to him repentant, He is there to forgive us. And I hope that encourages and spurs all of us on to be more merciful with those around us. This has been Little Things, because in God's kingdom, the little things are the big things. Don't forget to go on your favorite podcast forum and rate this podcast and share it with your friends, download it um, so that other people get to know this. Thank you for your prayers. They really keep us going here at Time of Grace as we continue to share the good news about Jesus.